Before we get to Jamal, I want to plug one of the cooler features Schaefer's has rolled out in recent memory, Playbook of the Week. If you ever wanted to interact with a trader, this is right up your alley. Delivered every Monday, Playbook of the Week is an exclusive 30-45 to 45 minute live panel featuring a trading expert's take on the current market in hot sectors, a primer how to use Schaefer's proprietary trading analysis, a deep dive into the into a stock at the top of our watch list, and a complete Q&A session. Full disclosure, um, I listen to this every morning, uh, not just in the interest of making money, but just to get a feel for the week ahead. It, it's, a, it's a great way to plan out your next five days. I'm a big planner, big mapper-outer, if you will. Uh, and If you're like me, this session is perfect for you. The Q&A also means you get a second opinion on any positions you might have. There are three ways to get the Vimeo link. First, dial 1-800-448-2080 or hit the link in the episode's bio or visit schaffersresearch.com for more information. Once again, that number is 1-800-448-2080. And now, without further ado, here's Jamal. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Schaefer's Market Mashup. It's your host here, Patrick Martin, on Wednesday, May 11th. I'm back in the swing of things now, doing pods once a week, and I'm thrilled to be catching up now with Tasty Trades' Jamal Chandler, friend of the program. Jamal, how are we? Doing well, Patrick. Good to, good to talk to you again, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. I think it was last summer. We'll have to hit the archives and double-check that. But what have you been up to? Oh, me, uh, you know, on the personal front, I, uh, you know, doing, um, I got to my oldest child who's graduating high school. So that's kind of fun. Um, a lot of stuff happening there, you know, proms kicking in and graduation will be here soon and got family coming into town for that. So lots on the horizon there. Uh, my, my youngest child, I'm actually a, my nine-year-old boy, I'm coach helping coach his baseball team. So uh, in, in between there and trying to, spend time with my daughter from time to time and do things with her and spend times with my wife. So uh, dude, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy, but I a good highly, busy. I highly suggest anyone listening to give Jamal a follow on Twitter because he's, he's got that perfect blend of, he's going to give you actionable advice. You know, it's going to have stock market stuff, but he also gives you a good glimpse into his personal life. You see Jamal at bulls games, jazz shows, uh, his son, by the way, his nine year old son in art prodigy, um, probably going to be designing monsters for Star for the next Star Wars reboot. If we're being honest, hey, listen, dude, I don't know. We're so confused as to where he gets this talent from. It's kind of crazy, but he's really good artist, and um, you know, we always try to encourage it. He makes some cool stuff. Oh, I mean, it's incredible. I I studied that picture in detail and was just sitting there like, whoa, like he's got the whole little intricate details of each character down. It was it was impressive, dude. I it was so funny. I asked him. And not to be like uh, this clown type of dad, but I was like, did you did you trace this or did you? And he was like, no, no, I just looked at the video and then copied. I was like, I'm just I was just curious. Like, I can't believe it. It's it's incredible. Mm -hmm. As someone with negative zero artistic talent to see something like that at that young age, it, it always just blows my mind. Oh, me, too. I'm, I'm in that same boat of negative zero artistic talent as well with you. So. All right. Well, I guess we got to talk about the uh, <laughs> the carnage outside. Um, but first, you know, I want I want to at least 
dive in with some talk about options volume. Last week I had some SIBO guests on and we were talking about weekly options volume. You know, options volume is healthy now. I think I saw a preliminary volume of 39.7 million yesterday, which was 3% above the recent average. Calls led puts by a decent amount. So it's healthy now, but for how long? Yeah, and, and I'm sure exactly what you're referring to is probably the uh, option alert. I know that's that's my buddy uh, Henry there who, who usually puts those out and, mm-hmm. and um, he usually, you know, is, has his finger on the pulse. And, you know, the truth is, is, is option volume is healthy on certain days. Um, I think today, if I had to guess, would be probably one of those days yesterday, maybe. We've seen it mostly to the downside because that's mostly what we've seen right mm-hmm. and um that i mean honestly we could keep it at option volume but the truth is it's, it's a volume thing in general and the interesting point about this is that the fed put out a report yesterday talking about um the lack of liquidity in certain markets and again they're talking about all markets so whether it's commodities or whether it's futures or whether it's options um there's been somewhat of a lack of, of liquidity and if i'm being honest day to day i've kind of noticed some of that as well because of just the way that we've been trading and, and and the truth is we're in a bear market it seems like to me um you know people can argue oh well, we've had 11 year long run and we're still kind of this is just a blip in that i mean honestly this is bear market activity of what we're, we're seeing more recently and there's really a lack of conviction to the upside and so when you have that you're going to have, have a lower volume time periods as everybody sort of waits it out for what they feel might be an appropriate time to you know kind of take the other side particularly contrarians um, so yeah, I have kind of noticed that, uh, th- that, uh, volume has kind of been waning, but again, it's the market environment that's creating that. It's also a situation of the fed removing tons of liquidity from the system. That's sort of perpetuating it as well. Mm-hmm. Do you see an inflection point in the next six months where that volume really starts to drop off or do people maybe think, okay, enough, enough is on sale right now. Let me go bargain hunting. What's what's the next six months look like there? So I would I honestly think that right now um, we're at an inflection point. So the question, I guess, becomes how many inflection points do we end up having? But I think right now we're we're certainly at an inflection point, given the levels we are in in a lot of different markets. And one of the interesting things to me was on Monday when you had a situation, you know, for the last several months we have. Obviously, tech has been sinking. Uh, cryptocurrencies, namely Bitcoin, has been has a serious correlation to uh, the equities market, particularly the tech. So, you know, they've been going in kind of the same direction to some degree. Oil has been obviously all over the place because uh, largely due to the conflict in Europe. And so there's just been a lot of different, you know, moving parts. One day you have oil up 5%, one day you have markets down 3%, you know, vice versa. But the interesting thing to me on Monday was when at some point in time, after about the middle of the day, the trading day, equity markets were down, gold was down, oil was down, and cryptos were down. And that to me is one of those situations where you start to see the correlation being one when everything is kind of moving in one direction. There's really not any one situation of those different asset classes that are up. That to me starts to signal a situation where there might be somewhat of capitulation. Now, a lot of times, you might need some volume, heavy, heavy volume to go along with that. And, but there was strong volume on Monday. So that's one of the things that I've been noticing the last couple of days. And honestly, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what happens next, what's going to happen from here. But um, make no mistake, we're in a precarious time. Mm-hmm, 
for sure. So what is your advice to retail traders? I saw Bank of America put out those stats that meet uh, like the mainstream outlets really picked up that saying, if you started trading during the pandemic, you know, during March, April of 2020, if you started trading, you're in the red right now. Um, retail traders outperformed the S&P 500 from May 2020 to May 20 or May 2020 to May 2021. Uh, since then, that it's just completely cratered and flatlined through March 2022, even with the S&P a little bit higher. So what's your advice to these retail traders that are now basically holding L's for the first time in their young trading career? Yeah, I saw some of those stories too. And I got to say, I mean, some of them are a little sensationalized. The fact that it's just leaving it, putting it all on retail traders because um, there's firms out there called Tiger Global that are really struggling as well. And there's plenty of hedge funds that are also struggling. So it's not just retail traders, it's everybody in this market as evidenced by the type of moves that you've seen more recently. I mean, Coin, for example, what's happening today after their earnings, a letter U, Unity Software, when you see names like that, Teladoc, of course, a lot of those names that are have been within the, the uh, ARC ETF. These are all not only retail held, but also institutionally held. And you can see people are leaving for the exits <laughs> more recently. And so it's everybody, you know, it's it's everybody that's been, been struggling in these situations. So to your question, what I would say to a lot of retail traders, you know, one of the things that we do at Tasty often has always been to sort of try and somewhat, I, I would say, plan for these type of situations. And by that, I mean, you know, a lot of our mechanics and guidelines are based off of where the current volatility levels are in the market and, and that namely in the VIX. So in these situations, you're never supposed to be 100% totally in with all of your capital because you just don't know what's going to happen. And it's an unpredictable market, even when we are you know, on highs. So I guess the biggest thing is to, if, if there's a situation where somebody didn't understand these mechanics and didn't have that going for them already, and they're in a situation where they're at a loss. You know, the unfortunate part about this market is that a lot of times losses lead to learning. Hopefully their losses weren't too catastrophic. And it's this is a good time to learn about how to develop mechanics so that you don't put yourself in these situations because the market can be unpredictable, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Market Watch put out an article that said, during the bulk of that period that I had previously described, retail option traders lost $1.1 billion on their trades. Um, and they were they they were explaining the how they were losing them where they many traders who bought in the money call options they didn't exercise them prior to the ex dividend dates um, they, they 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 didn't really know you know about the bid ask spreads and everything and that's one thing tasty is 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 I think so adept at doing absolutely and I always go back to my own career and I was lucky enough to to go to a to work at a proprietary trading firm and, and learn option trading and learn about these mistakes that people have. And you learn to develop a healthy fear for these type of things. And I, you know, for those uh, who, who aren't, you know, let's just say with tasty or, or learning, you know, from Schaefer's or it, they, they really have to find ways to learn the correct way to trade options because it's not easy. I mean, it really is not. And you have to learn about the, multitude of scenarios that could come up like you say when you have a situation where you have to exercise calls or um you know for some reason you get assigned on something these things are, are very confusing for people so that's why we always try to do our best to 
sort of um, not, I wouldn't say not lecture, but sort of try to teach people in an in a interesting and, and healthy and sometimes fun way, because that's the best way you can end up learning and avoid these types of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that you guys do, again, if you follow them on their socials, they do, it's like one, two minute videos. Your, your most recent one, you were talking about the bear market trading action where the, S, the SPY rose after the latest rate hike and then sold off at, you know, a terrible day after, you know, first indication of a bear market. So, you know, in, in, in a one minute snapshot, how should an options trader proceed when there are these days like that? When there's uh, these, these bear market days? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh it's a situation where I think a lot of times people want to look for once you learn how to trade options to some degree, you start to realize you can make money in any market. And as a result, you try to do that. And so when you have a bear market situation, like, oh, this market is going down. Now I'm going to just go out and buy puts. Mind you, in a bear market, um, you know, there's so much likely skewed to the downside that options, option premium, particularly on downside puts, are a lot more expensive. So you really need quite a move to monetize those puts. Now that certainly can is possible to happen, but bear market activity dictates that, you know, you you may be, I mean, the exact trading opportunity, trading uh, that we're seeing today, you may be down 1% at one point in time. It's a perfect example. This morning on the, the CPI number that we got, we were up a percent prior to the number. As soon as the number came out, we were literally down 1%. So we had like about a two and a half percent range move in the market. And that is bear market trading. So it's really difficult um, to try and monetize, you know, long options in those type of situations. It's possible, but it's it's really difficult. It's one of the reasons why we're always looking to relatively far out of the money options to sort of monetize those and sort of wait on premium to come in. And again, doing it um, most likely risk defined so that you have an opportunity to sort of protect yourself from adverse moves. But this is a very tricky market. And this is one of the reasons why we talk about having maintained certain cash levels, just because you just don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What I equate the options trading education to is learning any type type of sport, where if you have some degree of athleticism or hand-eye coordination, you're going to start off good. Baseball, basketball, soccer, um, but to really, really take that next step and, and separate yourself, you need to focus on the intricacies, the details, the specific movements. And it's the same as options trading. We're like, yeah, you can do all this in the money stuff, but in a bear market like this, it ain't going to go anywhere. To really you know, separate yourself, you have to know the, like the nitty gritty. Yeah, you, you really kind of got to understand the market internals to somewhat degree, like you're talking about, you understand the idea of what liquidity looks like currently in the market, what a normal healthy market volume looks like, what uh, this volatility currently means when, when you have a situation of VIX being 30, you know, what does that mean? Or, or 32, for example, that's, you know, that's the part where you start getting into, okay, what does that mean with regard to distribution of, of pricing and understanding that a VIX 32 means that that's pricing, basically SPX moving 2% uh, in either direction on any given day, which is pretty big swings. And so 
just when you start to understand those type of things, it kind of gives you an idea of how how aggressive you want to be when you're trading. And this is a this is a current time period where you really don't want to be aggressive um, with regard to some of your trading. Now, I know that sounds counterintuitive because a lot of times when we have this type of drawdown in the market, I mean, when you know you're looking at Nasdaq down nearly thirty percent and and the S P five hundred you know down over close to twenty percent, you're saying, oh, these are the times where the Warren Buffett's of the world say, everybody's scared. I want to buy and I want to be aggressive. And that's just with stocks, you know, totally understandable because the idea there is that, well, you're probably going to lose what you pay on that stock. So with regard to options, you don't necessarily want to be crazy aggressive in this type of market because you just, you know, it, it's, it's a lot more daunting task when you're trading options. So you have to be a lot more careful. Yep. Very well said. So, you know, a broad question, I know, but where is their optimism right now? You know, it's a bear market. Who knows for how long? You know, we know interest rate hikes are, you know, happening throughout the year. Where can someone look to for a light at the end of the tunnel somewhere? And there has to be something that will get a options trader or just any trader out of the bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah, no, I I hear you. And, you know, again, for me, I think uh, the 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 optimism lies in, in what I mentioned a little while ago. I it, it's it's not pretty, but like I said, the idea on a day where you see equities down, you see gold down, you see cryptos down, um, you see where well, I mentioned gold, but a couple of other commodities were down. The only thing that I noticed that was up on Monday was bond pricing. Uh, even even bond yields were down that day, which. Again, that's been one of the drivers of some of this bear market uh, because bond yields have been rising because of the fact that the Fed is obviously continuing to raise rates and they're looking at doing at least um, other 50-point rate hikes over the next couple of FOMC meetings. So that's obviously spooked stocks a lot. In particular, it's, it's spooked tech stocks. And so on this past Monday, on when you see on May 9th, when you see a day like that, where you have several different asset classes down, that says to me, most people are kind of left the market. Now that's going to create a situation right now where we probably might trade sideways even to a little bit down as the market tries to find its footing, but it's hard to call bottoms. I'm certainly not trying to do that, Patrick. Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> but I, I feel like that might be one of those, that might've been one of those days where it's like, okay, it's just out of gas. And now, at some point or another, you know, again, we got a, a, the CPI number today, which said that inflation is persisting, but it might be turning a corner. Those are the type of things that, that I think is really looking for. Because again, a lot of the impetus behind this market drawdown has been the rise in interest rates because of the fact that we have just such high inflation. It certainly didn't help that the conflict in Europe sort of kicked off because then that creates a lot of other fears as well. And we've also had China with their lockdowns that have that have sort of created supply chain issues in the market and created, you know, more angst. So there's definitely more than enough issues out there. But honestly, at this point, they're all known. Um, the only real unknown, obviously, is what may happen uh, with regard to Russia and Ukraine. But most of these issues are all known and they all have some sort of, you know, ability to be fixed. I think the biggest thing that the market does not like is uncertainty. And those are the things that create the huge volatility in the market. But I think it's fairly certain at this point, with regard to the interest rates, we're going to get uh, multiple 50 point rate hikes. It's, it's kind of what it is because we just got money flooded into the system after the pandemic. And we created a situation where 
prices were were just sort of raised. People were going after the same thing. People's uh, most people in most jobs there were wage gains, and so you had this huge um, you know economic crisis that was fixed by flooding the system with money. And now we got to kind of reverse that, and and that's understandable. But um, nobody said the market was going to like it. And the truth is, is the Fed's job going forward is to sort of push down the market, which they've done, believe it or not, that's been that's part of their job in this situation and eventually create a situation in the economy where uh, the, there's no way to soft way to say it, that people are going to be unemployed. Unfortunately, that's that's kind of how it's going to go. So um, they, they they're not saying that directly, but that's that's what the Fed is basically aiming for. And when they keep saying the situation of the employment, the current employment situation is unhealthy, that doesn't seem to make sense because you're like, well, most people have a job. That seems pretty healthy to me. But clearly there's a certain level of the economy that the way that they look at it a lot differently than most of us do. Mm -hmm. You know, every time I talk to you, dude, it's you have this calming effect on everything, you know. Right across the board, just bring on Jamal, and he'll just say, like, listen, yep, okay, this is all bad, but, you know, and not that you're an internal optimist, but you, you have a way of almost, you know, cutting through the fog. Um, and that's, you know, I'll answer my own question from previously about, you know, advice to retail traders in the red. This is investing. It is not all sunshine and rainbows, and, you know, it's not you buy something and it just goes up and you hold it. You know, yeah. there is so much more nuance to that that you have to, like you said, you have to learn the hard way. You have to learn by taking a few L's. You you certainly do. And so it's funny you mentioned that because one of the things that we're going to do at Tasty soon is we're going to have one of our first shows for the, uh, well, we're going to have a, a live show for the first time in two years. We're going to have one here in Chicago. You sort of kick off what we call a bad trader tour. We're actually you know, doing it. I had that. The, I had that on my uh, list. I, I wanted to hear about this bad trader tour. Yeah, I mean, I figured this was this is a perfect time as any because, like you said, I, I'm not a, per, a a permanent permanent optimist, but I'm always trying to find reasonings for what's happening. I guess, and so that's that's kind of where this emanates from um, my 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 demeanor and and so getting to, to what we were talking about this the idea of this tour is, hey, we've made bad trades too. We're going to have a tour at the Vic Theater in Chicago on July 16th. That's kind of a, a kickoff. I think after that, we, we, we may venture out to other cities, but um, obviously we want to make sure the tours, we can do it and do it in, in, in a safe space for everybody um, with regard you know, to the current time period. But it's, it's, a, it's a tour that's based off of the idea that we make mistakes too. We've mis made mistakes in the past with our trading. You know, all of these things that I'm saying to you, I've had times where I traded and I was too aggressive in a market like this and, and I didn't make money in the way that I thought. And I thought I had the perfect trade on or, uh, you know, a, 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 some other times where I just didn't have the correct mechanics and I, and I messed up, you know, a trade. And so we're going to you know go through and, and there's going to be a bunch of us. We're going to just talk about some of those stories and, that's how I think we all end up learning and, and um, getting better at being at being traders is understanding those mistakes that we've made and how to learn from them. It's the only way it happens. Yeah. Transparency. You need it as much as possible, I think, in this business. And you guys happen to do it in a fun, you know, not self-deprecating, but like a humble way. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, that's exactly what we go for. Like, you know, I'm not perfect. I know when, when I started my show, Engineering the Trade, on the first day, I, I told everyone, you know, don't follow everything that I do. I, I, you know, I have a lot of knowledge. Sure, I've traded for a long time, but I'm, I can make mistakes at times too. But listen to the reasoning 
of what I'm saying because I'm going to talk through and reason about my trade and, and why I'm doing it. And you know, hopefully half the more than half the time I'll I'll make money on that trade because of my reasoning behind it. But even when I lose money on it, it's not a situation of I'm panicking because I didn't know what I was doing. It just didn't work out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, every trade that you put on just doesn't necessarily work out. Like right now, I know for a fact there's a lot of people who are long Amazon and long Google because they're like, these stocks are so low right now. This is ridiculous. But there hasn't been any clear sign of a bounce as of yet because it's just a tough market to do it. And if the market's not going to make a bounce, how are Amazon and Google going to make a bounce? They follow the S&P 500. They follow the NASDAQ. So it's a hard time. And I think you just sort of have to back away every now and again and look at exactly what's going on. As much as we all feel like the market is crazy oversold, it's not going to bounce until it's ready. And you got to sort of see the signs when that comes. And that comes along with the volume and um, but I do feel like we're getting close because everyone is negative. <laughs> like everyone is negative and there's not a, a, a positive person inside about this market currently. Um, and not in any given asset. I mean, people don't seem to necessarily want to be in equities right now. People don't want to seem to be in cryptos and people don't want to seem to be in just about anything. And so I find that fascinating too, as a way of crowdsourcing. It's interesting to me how, how much, how negative the sentiment is right now. Yep, as a contrarian, you know, that's that should be a flashing light indicator. Um, but geez, my man, you are a breath of fresh air, um, you know, when, when it comes to this, you know, current market climate. Uh, that, will that link, or you guys have a link to the Bad Trader Tour? I can put that on the, on our bio for this episode. Uh, I would love, love to share that with my, you know, the listeners. Oh, for sure. I'll absolutely send it to you, man. And you know, as always, love talking to you, dude. Like, uh, you know, you're just a, a, a great breath of fresh air yourself. And and I always feel like our combos are great because, you know, we end up talking about the current zeitgeist of the market. And so we every time we go back and listen in, in, in our, at our discussions, it's always interesting to see what was going on at the time, you know? I mean, and we go way back. We go back to the pandemic. Yeah. That was a crazy time period. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you talk about uncertainty, like those, that was a, such a crazy thing. Um, we're in, in, in this market, like I said, it's interesting to me. Um, I, I get why tech has been beat down. We knew that this was coming at some mm-hmm. point, especially if the Fed was going to raise rates the way that they were. But um, it does it does feel overdone, in my opinion. But at the same time, that doesn't mean I'm going to go out and get long every single thing I can, because that's just not how the market works, unfortunately. Yeah. Trust me, I've tried it before in my career <laughs> when I thought, you know, case in point, in 2008, and I was talking about this with Tom Salznoff, our, our fearless leader at Tasty the other day. I remember in 2008, the market was just really, for those of you who were trading and who remember, was really just getting wrecked in October and November. And I remember building a spreadsheet and I was like, this is the bottom and, and this is the time to go and buy a bunch of stocks or get long, maybe some at the money calls and all these certain you know, high, 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 high volume names, large market cap names. I just felt like this is the time, it's going to bounce. Well, as most of you know, we didn't bounce until March of 2009. So mm-hmm. about four months after that. So that's just kind of, you know, how how it happens sometimes. We could be uh, potentially at a bottom, but, you know, it's it's you don't want to try and call bottoms. Those are very hard to do. So just kind of wait until you, until you get a situation where we, we start to have more healthy volume and more healthy strength in the market. I would say that's probably one of the biggest takeaways right now. 
Yep. And if you, I, I've looked back at our, our recent, our, our episodes, they are weirdly prophetic. There are things that we talk about regarding the interest rates, cryptocurrencies, where we do have our you know finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist. So yeah. Yeah. Not, to, not to pat ourselves on the back, but yeah. I think we're, we're we're doing a pretty good job. And you know, as always, check out Tasty Trade. You know, they're they're always doing great things over there. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I'm, I'm ready to wrap. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate you having me on as always and look forward to the next time. Who knows what crisis will be in the next time we talk <laughs> again, everybody, just so you guys know, last thing, this is a random date that we picked literally on the map and yeah. um, who who knew? <laughs> yeah, no, I had no clue. I think we, we scheduled this back in March of like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in May. And sure enough, look where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. All right, man. Well, also, f- final question here before before we go. I know you are a big Star Wars fan. Are you uh, you pumped for this Kenobi show here at the end of the end of the month? Yeah, I am. I want to see you know uh, what they do. I, I, I um, um, it's been a while. I actually haven't. I've, I've kind of been slacking. I I never saw Solo. I didn't see uh, the Mandalorian. But uh, I think it's it's time for me to to jump back in. I think I was, you know, I did like the last three. Uh, Star Wars, they were fine, but mm-hmm. I must say they don't bear that special place in my heart because when they show up on TV, I don't watch them versus like, you know, Return of the Jedi comes on. I can't pass it. I got to at least click on the channel for a few minutes just to see where the movie is at. Stop everything you're doing. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, I, I think I'm going to check out this Kenobi. I'll, I'll see what it's about. Yeah, I'm intrigued, too. Well, we'll have to get, you know, get together and do a little review of it in the summer. For sure. Sounds like a plan. All right, man. Jamal, take it easy. All right, Patrick. See you later, buddy. Bye.